It's chaos. Be kind. I, I started two weeks ago, I started my sermon with those words. It's chaos. Be kind. And those words come from a man who is an atheist, uh, who professes no faith at all, and at times is even hostile towards the faith. And yet he knows that this world is chaos, and the best answer is kindness. So this past week, I saw that this man had made a tweet. He had twi- on Twitter. He had tweeted on Twitter, and he, and he said some things about Christians, and he said some things about the Bible. He, he compared the Bible to the stories of My Little Pony. And I read that tweet, and I thought, what happened to be kind? I mean, don't we deserve a little kindness also? Don't we count for some kindness? And I understood his point. His point was that there are, some, there are some weird stories in the Bible. There are some disturbing stories in the Bible, and I will admit that. You know, a few weeks ago, John O'Connell and I were talking. John and I were talking about the Bible, and John, like many of you, she, she tries to read her Bible, she tries to understand what's going on, and John just, just said, you know, there's some weird stuff in here. And, and, and some of these people, that, the people in the Bible, they're awful. I mean, they're, they're fighting and they're killing each other. And, and these people are sleeping around and these are supposed to be good people. And I said, Jonna, you don't know the half of it. It is so much worse than you can even imagine. <sighs> there are some weird stories in the Bible. There are some, some odd things, but we can still learn from them. And I say that to warn you because today we are looking at a weird and awful story in the Bible. And if you've got your Bibles with you, in your Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel 25. If you want to follow along in one of those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 247. If you have the Bible app on your phone, awesome. And uh, we've uploaded the notes, so they're all there if you want to follow along with the Bible app. But it's 1 Samuel 25. And this is a long passage of Scripture And so we're just going to try to walk through it and walk through the story as it goes and see what we can learn. It begins there in verse 1 of 1 Samuel 25, and we read, Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And that kind of sets the prologue for the story. That should catch our attention and give us some context. Samuel is dead. Samuel had been the voice of God. Samuel, the prophet, had been the voice of God. He was the spiritual center of Israel, and he is gone. And the nation mourns for him. Who are they going to turn to now? David's been anointed king, but he's living in the wilderness. David is, is, a, is a, a fugitive. Uh, he's not leading Israel. Saul is still in charge. Saul is in charge, this mad king. David, who should be king, is a fugitive living in the wilderness, and the voice of God has been silenced. Saul is dead. No one is leading Israel. In other words, it's chaos. What is the proper response to chaos? Verses 2 and 3 continue to set the stage for us. Verse 2 says, And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, This man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. Now, 
pay attention to this couple. Uh, we're introduced to this couple. We, we have a wealthy man named Nabal. We have his wife, Abigail. Have you guys noticed this? Have you noticed we still name little girls Abigail? In fact, how many of you know uh, uh, either a little girl or a woman, someone named Abigail? How many of you know an Abigail? Hey, look at that. We all know Abigails, right? Have you noticed we don't name little boys Nabal? There's a reason for that. We don't name little boys Nabal, but we name, we name little girls we name little girls Abigail. Now, now, Abigail is a beautiful name. Do you know what Abigail means? Abigail means her father's joy. Isn't that beautiful? And it just makes you go, aww. Abigail means her father's joy. Aww. Do you know what Nabal means? <laughs> Nabal means fool. And, and you hear it in the name if you listen because you probably ought to pronounce it Nabal. I mean, you just kind of hear it, don't you? Nabal just means fool. Abigail means her father's joy. Aw, right? You, you hear that there. And we have to keep that in mind because they are going to live up to their names in this story. And if we're not careful, we could live up to Nabal's name also. There's a proverb. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17 says, a man who is kind benefits himself but a cruel man hurts himself. That's an important lesson for us to learn. It's an important lesson for this story, and it's a lesson that David has to learn. What David has to learn here is exactly what we've seen this month as we've looked at kindness, and that is that showing kindness is not about what the other person has done, it's about who you are. Now last week I quoted for you from a book called Blessed Are the Misfits. It's an awesome book. You ought to get a copy. I've got a couple to spare if you guys want one. Blessed Are the Misfits by Brant Hansen. And in that book, Brant tells us how to identify the fruit of the Spirit. He talks about trees. And he says, bump into a tree and see what falls. Now you know what kind of tree it is. If you bump into an apple tree and apples fall, it's an, it's an apple tree. He uses that to explain the, the fruit of the Spirit within us. God has placed His Holy Spirit within you. He's growing the fruit of the Spirit within us. You guys remember the fruit of the Spirit, right? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, Paul tells us. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, kindness, the kindness that you show others isn't because they've earned it. It isn't because they deserve your kindness. It's about what God is growing inside of you. He's growing kindness within you. The question is, how are you going to show that? Now, in this story... David and, and his men who are following him, David and his men have been camping out in Nabal's backyard. They're, they're, they're in his, his neighborhood. And, and it's sheep, sheep shearing season. Say that three times fast. It's sheep shearing season right now. And, and so that's hard work. David, you know, David grew up as a shepherd. He knows that this is hard work. He knows it's a difficult time because during sheep shearing season, your sheep will run off. The, the, there's, there's so much activity. Wolves will circle around the flock and sometimes thieves will come in during shearing season and they'll steal sheep. And so David, being a shepherd, during this whole time when they've been shearing sheep, David and his men have been guarding Nabal's shearers. They have been guarding Nabal's men. They have been guarding Nabal's sheep. And I want to remind you again, what are we told about Nabal? He is very rich. It's the first thing that it said about Nabal. He is very rich. And so David has a request of this very rich man. In verse 5, it says, So David sent ten young men 
And David said to the young man, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And this is how you should greet him. Peace be with you. In other words, my protection is on you. Peace be with you. Peace be to your house. Peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now, your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm. And they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men. They will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. Remember, Nabal is very rich. That's the first thing we're told about him. We're also told that he is harsh and that he is badly behaved. And what does the name Nabal mean? Anyone remember? Fool, right? It means fool. So how does Nabal respond? Verse 10, Nabal answered David's servants, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? You know, there are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I don't know where? Now, this is an insult. Nabal knows who David is. In fact, he tells, tells us what David's father's name is. Nabal knows who David is. David's the hero. Eight chapters earlier, he kills Goliath. They're, 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 they're shouting, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. Everybody knows who, Na- who David is. This is an insult. And so David responds to the insult in verse 12. So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, Every man, strap on his sword. And David strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David. You can appreciate that, can't you? I mean, have you ever been in that position where you have extended kindness to someone and, and what you get back What you get back is not kindness, and so you want to pay them back. You want to respond in kind. You want to respond to insult with insult. You want to hurt back. That's only natural, right? It's only natural to want to do that, just like it's natural for an apple tree to drop apples. But you, you are growing the fruit of the Spirit, Christians. And so if you're growing the fruit of the Spirit, it is not natural for you to return insult for insult. It's not natural for you to return insult Hatred for hatred or foolishness for foolishness. It doesn't help that with some people you just can't win, right? You know what I'm talking about? With some people, you just can't win. And and I wish I could tell you that the end of the story is that David and Nabal become pals. They become best friends. That's not how the story ends. No spoilers, but that's not how the story ends. They they don't become pals. Why? Because... Well, because Nabal is Nabal, you know, he's a fool. That's how, that's, that, that's how the story is set for us. And it reminds me of a couple other Proverbs. There, there's Proverbs, in Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5, you got to look at these sometimes. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Proverbs 26, 4, right there next to each other. Proverbs 26, 4 says, answer not a fool according to his folly. Don't answer a fool according to his folly lest you be like him yourself. Okay, I got that. Answer not a fool according to his father. Then verse 5 comes along, and verse 5 says, Answer a fool according to his folly, 
lest he be wise in his own eyes. What is it? Answer not a fool according to his folly or answer a fool. You know what it means? It's not a contradiction. It's telling you what you already know. You can't win with some people, right? Have you been there? You just can't win. There are some people that that you just can't win with them. They're going to be who they are. And so rather than sink to their level, be kind. Be what God has called you to be. And like in this story, your kindness might inspire kindness in someone else. You know, your, story, your kindness might inspire kindness in someone else. This story would have ended very differently if it wasn't for one person, and we don't even have that person's name. All we're told is it was one of the young men. One of the young men who, who rather than accept the foolishness of Nabal for what it was, he did something about it. And verse 14 says, he went and told Abigail. Now, now, why did he go tell Abigail? Well, we've already been told that she is discerning. So he has reason to believe that Abigail will listen to him. Verse 14, but one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. And yet the men were very good to us. We suffered no harm, and we did not miss anything when we were with them in the fields. As long as we went with them, they were a wall to us, both night and by day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he is such a worthless man. No one can speak to him. No one can, can speak to him. You caught that, right? What about Abigail? She's discerning. She's beautiful. Can't she? No. No one can speak to him. Look at what happens in verse 18. Then Abigail made haste. She took 200 loaves, uh, 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep that have already been prepared. Why have they been prepared? Because Nabal was going to give them to his men. Five sheep that were prepared. Five seahs of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs. Lay them on her donkey. And she said to her young men, you go before me. Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. What does Abigail mean? It means her father's joy. Aww. What's Nabal mean? It means fool, right? Ah. <sighs> Abigail is smart. And Nabal's not really her priority because right now, David, a a known fighting man, has strapped on a sword and 400 of his men have strapped on swords and they're coming to clean house. They're coming to to wipe out her husband and everything that he has. So Abigail is smart. She knows where her priorities lie. Verse Verse 20 goes on and says, and she rode down on the donkey and came down under the cover of the mountain. Behold, David and his men came down towards her, and she met them. Now David had said, this was David's plan, David had said, surely in vain I have guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed uh, of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. God, do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. I'm going to wipe them all out. David says. David is bent on getting even. He intends to wipe Nabal and all of his men out. And I want to remind you again, Samuel is dead. 
David's mentor is dead. The voice of God has been silenced. The man who anointed David is dead. And so David's heart doesn't know where to go. David's moral compass is, is way off. David wants revenge. What did God say though? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. That's something we're to trust in. You found yourself there before though, haven't you? You know, you, maybe you didn't strap a sword on. I hope you didn't strap a sword on. But I think you found a way to cut. I think we probably find a way to cut. Maybe we use cutting words. We say something to, to cut a person down, take them down just a notch or two when they've shown us some unkindness. Remember last week, Philippians, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building others up. We're supposed to build up, not cut down. There's times when we can't trust our own judgment, and it's a blessing when someone comes alongside us in that moment and is kind to us and, and, and helps us. Abigail is that person to David. Her kindness does more than just feed him and his men. She reminds me of another proverb, Proverbs 31. You know, the, 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 the excellent wife, right? You ladies know Proverbs 31 talks about the excellent wife. Proverbs 31, 26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. That's Abigail. That's, that's who this is, and that's exactly what David needs. As nourishing as the food is, he needs kindness also. Verse 23, When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from her donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. Why is she bowing to the ground? David is a fugitive living in the wilderness. She's treating him like king, though. She's treating him like a king. She's treating David like the man that God has called him to be. She doesn't see him for who he is. She sees him for who he could be. That's what kindness does. That's what kindness does. It looks for the potential in that other person. It looks to bless them. It calls us to treat people the way God created them to be treated. Not as enemies, not as animals, not as deplorables but as those who bear the image of their Creator. And through Abigail's act of kindness, by bringing food to David, that, those kind ways, and also through her kind words, she's honoring him for the man that he will become instead of a man who is about to commit a very irrational act. Verse 31 goes on. And Abigail says to David, My Lord, she calls him my Lord. My Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord taking vengeance on himself because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, saith God. And when the Lord, when God has dealt with you, with my Lord, then you remember me. Remember your servant. And the change in David is immediate. Verse 32, David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And instead of a day of violence, verse 35 says, David received from her hand what she had brought him, and he said to her, listen to what he said to her, go up in peace to your house. Go under my protection. Go under my care. Go in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. The kindness that Abigail showed Davis in, showed David inspired kindness in David. Sometimes that happens. Not all the time, but sometimes that happens. And that's wonderful. But more to the point, your kindness 
should point others to the kindness of God. Once Abigail shows up, she, she brings a, a gift to David. Something happens to David. He sees the foolishness of his own plans. He sees the foolishness of getting even. And the gift of her kindness, it's as if she's become Samuel to him. She's become like Samuel to him. Her kindness has restored reason to David. Your kindness can do that for people too. Your kindness can bring something of God into the situation because of the way that you produce the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, but what are we going to do with Nabal? We still got to do something with Nabal. What does Nabal mean? It means fool. Yeah, you guys are, you guys are being really nice. It's like fool, okay? It's like a really, really, it's a bad one. You know, don't name your kids Nabal. Maybe a cat would be fine, but not, not a kid. Anyway, Nabal means fool. So, so what's, what is Nabal doing while his wife is out saving his bacon? What's Nabal up to while his wife is saving his bacon? Look at verse 36. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. <laughs> and Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. Let me pause for a moment. What kind of feast was Nabal holding? A feast fit for a... Who's really king? David. David's living in the wilderness. David's living off the kindness of other people. Morning comes. Abigail makes her move. Verse 37. In the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal. Yeah, you know what that's about. Uh, in the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things and his heart died within him. And he became as a stone. And about 10 days later, about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal dead and he died. You remember David's plan. Strap on your swords. Strap on your swords. Let's take matters into our own hands. But in the end, God took care of Nabal and David retained his integrity because of the gift of Abigail's Kindness. And Abigail is then blessed because of her kindness. Just look at verse 39 to wrap it up. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. On any given day, you can find yourself on the receiving end of someone else's foolishness. And you have a choice to make. Do I return foolishness with foolishness? Do I respond in a way that's just going to make things worse? Or do I find a better way? Do I find a way of kindness? And the beautiful thing is God has planted within you the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Which tells us this, the kindness that we show others, it's not about us. It's about what God is doing within us. And God can do far more with our kindness than He can with our foolishness. You hear me? God can do far more with our kindness than with our foolishness. Nabal means fool, right? Abigail means her father's joy. 
Oh, right? Nabal ends up dead. <laughs> Abigail ends up married to, to David. Kind of reminds me, though, just the two of them, they kind of remind me of something that Paul wrote. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is describing salvation, the salvation that we've received as a free gift of God's grace. And in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul describes our previous life like this. He says, and you were dead, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. You hear those words that Paul uses to describe us before salvation? We were dead. We were disobedient. We were children of wrath. <laughs> we were Nabal. <laughs> we were very Nabal. So what changed in us? He goes on in verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God's mercy stepped in. Our Father saved us by His grace, by His mercy. He saved us for His joy. Our Heavenly Father abigailed us. And why did He do it? Verse 7 says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God saved us to show the world the full effect of his kindness, and he created us to produce the very same. The last chapter of this book, I've just loved this book. I've got three, three copies to give away today. The last chapter of Your Next 24 Hours presents the challenge from the book's title. The, the, the full title is Your Next 24 Hours. One day, one day of kindness can change everything. And the final chapter concludes with these words, by making the decision to be led by kindness, everything will change in the next 24 hours. From this point on, each day will be a new adventure filled with exciting opportunities to be a force for good. Your decision will change the way you see the world and change the way others see you. People will see a difference in your smile, in your words, and in your deeds. Many will want to follow your example and choose a life of kindness too. I know kindness isn't easy. I know you have your frustrations. And I know you guys, I know some of you have some nayballs in your life. And I know they know how to push your buttons. And I know that some of them have done real damage. And I know you want to hurt back. But I still know that kindness is the correct response. And it is absolutely the response that God will bless. It's chaos. Don't add to it. Everyone you meet has enough chaos already. And so instead, be kind. And let your kindness point others to the kindness that God desires to show. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come and we're going to do how great thou art, right? Let me pray for us first. Father, we know our world is chaos. And we know that everyone we meet is fighting a battle we don't understand. Many of them remind us a lot of Nabal and 
in their foolishness and their bad tempers. And the last thing we want to do is add to that chaos. So grow in us the fruit of kindness. Let it be a fruit that nourishes and blesses the people around us. Let us point them to Your kindness that leads to repentance. Father, our own foolishness can't change the world. But the kindness that You're growing within us can. And so let us grow that kindness for those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.